Hey, B. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Always. What's the one thing when we travel that we always make sure we find? Oh, coffee. You know, bad coffee makes my brain angry. And we've been a lot of places. We've had a lot of coffee. But when we're home, there's only one place that we get coffee from. Yeah. Hacienda Real in Costa Rica. We found this place when we were in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a micro roastery using only Costa Rican beans. Their blend is a mix of Arabica and Peaberry. And if you don't know about Peaberry, you need to find out about it because mm. it is amazing. It takes all the bitterness out. All the bitterness out. And we place orders and it's shipped directly to our door. You can get light, medium, or dark roast. You can get ground. You can get whole bean. And it is roasted to order. So there is a date stamped on your coffee so you know when it was roasted and bagged. It's good for a year after you order it. And it is the best coffee that we have ever had. So click the link in our show notes or go to goldenbean.net and use the offer code COFCHR20 for 10% off your order. Hacienda Real. Keep your brain happy. Hey, Dante. Hey, B. Looking pretty smart in your undies. Thanks. I've been doing my deads. (laughs) Oh, I can see that. But it's not just what's in them. It's what's on them. Oh yeah, I got on my smart-ass undies. They're not just super comfy. They've got cheeky motivations on them that keep me in the right state of mind. Oh yeah, like we could all use a little brain lift these days, am I right? They're also lovingly made from sustainable, low-impact materials. So we can love the planet and cover our asses all at the same time. Motivate your ass with smart-ass undies. Click the link in the show notes or on the Things We Love page on our website. And remember to enter the discount code CHEATINGONFEAR10 for 10% off your order. Smart ass undies. Cheeky and comfy. Hey everyone, on today's episode of the podcast, we are chatting with Emma and Finn from the Normalizing Non-Monogamy podcast. They've got a great podcast that we're going to put links in so you can go and check out where they talk to people from all over the non-monogamy spectrum. So it's a great way for uh, you to hear stories from people that might be in a similar sort of situation to where you are if this is something that you're interested in. Yeah, there's some fascinating stories, people's journeys and all different types of, of combinations of couples and throuples and pods and (laughs) quads and pods and all kinds of stuff. All of that. They have an awesome show. And we were offered an opportunity to tell our story on their podcast, which we heartily accepted. And that will be coming up on an episode of their uh, podcast. We're not sure when. We'll put up on our socials and stuff. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, But then they were gracious enough to come on our show and uh, we have a pretty cool conversation about um, some of the issues and questions that come up from people in non-monogamous relationships and in monogamous relationships. So we talk about all of that. So enjoy everyone. Yeah. Enjoy the episode guys. Have fun. Welcome guys. Uh, Today we have Emma and Finn from the Normalizing Non-Monogamy podcast on with us. Good morning. Good afternoon. 
Good morning. Good morning well, for good morning us. For us. Afternoon for you. But yes. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here. We're so happy to have you here. Yeah, we're super jazzed to have you guys here today. So, so let's jump right into it. Okay. Okay. So I wanted to talk to you guys. I mean, we we sort of um, stumbled across each other on social media, which is what it's so great for. And um, we really wanted to have you guys on. Because, you know, as we chatted, we realized there were so many things about you guys that really vibed with the Cheating on Fear brand. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what we do here. We cheat on fear. (laughs) And so um, I just wanted to ask you to introduce yourselves a little bit and tell us a little bit about what you do and what normalizing non-monogamy is about. Sure. Yeah. And and again, as Emma said, thank you for having us. We're really excited to be here. Yeah. want me to go? Go for it. Introduce yourself and then... (laughs) Okay. So uh, I'm Emma. Uh, We're both in our early 30s and we have been together since we were uh, in our late teens. So we've been together a long time and we opened our relationship early on, at least started talking about non-monogamy very early on with after like the first year in our relationship. So we were young as well. And so we've been, it's been a journey of figuring out what works for us, what we want to explore. And even though we're in our early thirties and it hasn't been that long, like it it has been over half our lives. (laughs) It's been, yeah, been over 10 years that we've been exploring it. And and it's changed and ebbed and flowed throughout that time. And I should say over half our lives we've been together. I should. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so that's sort of a really high level. We, you know, we, we both, um, we worked corporate jobs um, after college, and then after about eight years, it, this kind of plays into the theme as well. Like that, we aren't—we're more than just two people who are non-monogamous. Um, <laughs> we, after eight years of working, we actually quit our careers, and we had saved up a little bit of money, and we went and traveled in South America and backpacked and volunteered for a year. Wow. We we came back in 2019 to the U.S. and have been sort of bopping around trying to put the pieces back together we're both get employed again and kind of living through the the pandemic like the rest of the world mm-hmm. so what was that like coming back from from traveling and just kind of finding your own way for what was about you said like 11 or 12 months mm-hmm. and you guys are married now right like we yeah, are yeah, so we've, we've been married eight years eight yeah. oh wow eight Congrats. years now yeah yeah but, we, but what was that like kind of coming back after that being able to sort of do whatever you wanted and explore. And what was that like to come back to, to what people would call real life? Yeah. Honestly, it was challenging. Um, mm. It was, it was exciting to come back and see like friends and family, but it was challenging because we just, it's, it's a good problem to have when you can go in a lot of different directions. It's sometimes hard to choose which direction to go in. Mm. Uh, so that was the biggest challenge well and there's a lot of even though you you spend a year you know living and we met a lot of different people who were doing a lot of different things and showing you that there are so many different ways to live life and we met people in their 50s with kids that were traveling for years on end with their kids all over the world and we met people in their late teens who had just finished high school and they were just setting out to like explore before they went to college and so Mm -hmm. We kind of saw the whole spectrum, but it's it's really hard when you come back to a culture that is very like you should be working, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, you should be doing all of these things, 
and you're immediately thrust back into that. And you're like, well, I got to go find a job right away. I got to start making money right away. I probably got to get a house or pay rent, or we probably need to have a kid now and buy a car and do all these things. And you start to feel all these pressures and yet you're still like half of you is still like, I wish I was traveling and I know (laughs) there's this other world out there. But yet at the same time, we weren't, we decided to come back to the U S because we were craving a little bit of stability. So like, while we still wanted to go travel and stuff, we, there was part of us that really wanted a little bit of stability, which we're like walking paradox. (laughs) 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 So that, that was the big struggle. Yeah. But do you find that that, you know, you, you notice the cultural pressure now to live out that life script that most of us in the Western world get handed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we noticed like, it. To notice the pressure and then succumb to it are two different things. Do you kind of feel like, ah, oh, we're good. Like we see it, but it's not kind of immediately demanding that we pay attention to it right now. Yeah. I think it's an interesting, really interesting question because we noticed it for sure, even before we left. Because there's a lot of... Well, after college, we almost considered doing, like, just traveling right then. We did, but we were like, well, let's pay off our student loans before. Like, let's Sorry. not be completely broke if we're going to go and do something like this. But we, you know, for eight years, we were working corporate jobs and people were like, when are you going to buy a house? When are you going to get a dog? Are you going to have kids? And then repeat those same questions over and over and over again. Why don't you own a house yet? Why don't you have kids yet? And in the back of our minds, the whole time we're like, well, we want to go travel. We can't, we don't want to do those things yet. Even Mm -hmm. if like, there's some of those pieces. Yes, we want in our lives at some point, but we just weren't ready. Mm -hmm. And people had trouble understanding that, I think. And so we've sort of been fighting that going against that grain for a while and and now coming back again we're like we're we want to have the stability but we also don't want to be so settled or so like i think for us a lot of it is leaving ourselves the room to be free if we decide to so for us what that looks like right now is don't get into a mortgage that we have to both be working you know, 60 Mm -hmm. hours a week to afford. And if we miss a single paycheck, our house goes back to the bank, right? We don't, Mm -hmm. we just try to leave, we live well below our means. So we leave ourselves the freedom to explore if we want to, if we, if we wanted to, we could turn on a dime and go do something different, right? We, we just leave ourselves the freedom to do that um, and find what it is that's going to work for us. So it's, we definitely feel the pressure, but we also, I don't know, we've gotten good at like ignoring it sometimes. <laughs> Most of the time. So we're not always good yeah. at it, but sometimes we are. <laughs> but I, but I, 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 I commend you for, for making that decision and deliberately saying, no, this is what works for us. And I think that's, that's a really difficult thing for people to do. It's really easy to get caught up in, in all of that and in the should. Yeah. People yeah. get and- stuck in the should. And you know, to, to, to learn, to come back from that and say, you know, yes, we'd like some stability, but also we'd like the opportunity to do that again if we wanted to, and to not get ourselves back ourselves into such a corner that now you're stuck and miserable and doing all these things, succumbing to these pressures. And it's not even something you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think those like those eight years of working and, and trying to figure out what exactly we were going to do in the future, the whole time we knew that if we if we gave into those because some of the wants of like settling down and, and having, you know, buying a house and having some of those creature comforts were appealing to us. But we knew if we didn't 
upend our lives and try to go travel and do something different, we would regret it. And it's like mm. that that motivation of knowing that if we didn't do that at some point, it it would be important. It was too important to us not to do that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it kind of like that going against the grain. I mean, that kind of plays out in our relationship style as well, right? For for the basically the entirety of our relationship, we've been doing things that people say you probably shouldn't be doing or or they at least question like, why would you do that? I I got married, so I don't have to worry about finding another person or something <laughs> like that. Like I've, I've had people tell me that like, oh, well, I got married, so I don't have to deal with that anymore. I'm like, that's great. I don't. That's yeah. so it's, you know, we're it's interesting. We're rule followers, but we like to break norms, I think is our sort of right. the, the way we roll. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a really weird. Like trying to get him to cross the street when there's a red light and there's it's like, no, we shouldn't, we got to wait till the, like, <laughs> the, wait till the walk sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's right. like, yeah. <laughs> we're rule followers for that, right. that types of things. But, but norm norms. breakers. I like that. <laughs> you know what? That's really fun. I, I feel like I'm like that too. We're yeah. very much, we're very rule oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was one of the reasons why we were so anxious to, to have you guys on because our stories were so similar mm-hmm. and our viewpoints were similar, but you know, I wanted to get a little bit into the details. You guys have been um, engaging in non-monogamy so much longer than we have. And it's been a part of your life so much longer. Um, like, I just wanted to backtrack a little bit. What is your response to people that say things like that to you? Like I got married, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. It's like, yeah, how's your sex life going? Just a question. Like <laughs> asking for a friend. Yeah. Like yeah. what, like what do you, what is your response to people that, that suggest that maybe you don't have, maybe you're not as committed to your partner as they are to theirs that are in a monogamous relationship. Like what is, I'm sure that there have been lots of different questions, either sensitively posited and not, how do you, you know, and I, I think I'd, I'd love to hear from each of you kind of like your most asinine question and what your response was to those. So I, I will say, because I have my most asinine response in my head, but, or question, <laughs> but, but I, I would say though, that like throughout this 10 years, I mean, we, we present, if you were to run into us on the street, um, we are pretty much the most vanilla people you'll ever meet. Like zero tattoos. Emma's got her crazy two ear piercings. And like <laughs> we are very much like the most boring people you would ever come across. So we don't get tagged as like, oh, they're they're living on the fringes of society doing non-monogamy. They're swingers. They're whatever. So we, we don't have to like confront it very often. And it's been very few situations where we've told people and honestly, like the people we've told for the most part, like our close friends have been like very supportive. And and when we hear people saying things like that, it's usually them talking about it because there was a show they were referencing or this that they were referencing. Yeah, it's really, okay. it's more like. Uh, so they don't culture. know who they're talking to. When they don't know who they're talking to. to. Right, exactly. right, right. That's, that's amazing. I think it's kind of hot how like you, like. People have no idea. <laughs> and, it's like, and you know non-monogamous people. You just don't know that you know them. Yeah. Right. And, exactly. and we're very, like, I'm very much like, if you want to do whatever you want to do, go do it. But you don't, like, you don't have to be an evangelist everywhere you go. And so yeah. for us, when somebody's, like, talking about it, whether it's positive or negative, if, if it was, like, extreme negative, I would probably be like, oh, well, you know, there's some people that maybe that works for. Like, I would. Yeah, we would jump in We would sure. stand up. but. You know, if they're just talking about it, they're like, oh, that's crazy or whatever. Like, I don't feel the need to be like to jump to the defense of all of the poor non-monogamous people in the <laughs> world that are like, I just don't, it doesn't, 
it doesn't come up where I feel that urge. But I think honestly, we just haven't been in too many of those situations. Yeah. So, so the probably the most sort of asinine and uninformed question that we've gotten was when we had come out to somebody asking uh, Emma if she had been pregnant and how many STIs we have had was sort of the oh. was sort of the 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 direction because it was this assumption and it's it was lack of education honestly and and, and lack of um exposure exposure right and you just assume yeah. that because people are having sex with multiple people that like you're just swimming in STIs and you're getting pregnant every other weekend and it's just not the that case. doesn't sound like a pool I'd like to be in yeah that's an awkward yeah. question from the checkout person at the grocery store <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Right? Wow. laughs> Like, can I just yeah. get my film developed, man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. You really dated yourself there, Phil. Like, all, all the Gen Z are like, what is film What's development? Film? I don't yeah. know what that is. The other yeah. one I was going to, I thought you might bring up was your doctor asking you. Oh, yeah. He's like, because I, I said, well, yeah, could I get the full STI screening as well as, you know, my normal blood work? He's like, oh, having some extracurricular activities, are we? And I was like, yeah, together. And he's like, oh. And then he, he's just like, so. judgy, eh? It's yeah. funny how quickly people shut up, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and it really it really highlights how important it is for you to have a sex positive doctor. Mm-hmm. That's really important I, because I said the same thing to my doctor mm-hmm. when I told her I want because I had one right before I met him, and then before we decided we were going to be fluid bonded, I had another one. And she was like, didn't you just do this in March? And I was like, yes, but you know, I met this person. And, and she was like, oh, okay. I wish my, my patients would do that. And yeah. I was just like, there you go. And and I'm keeping you until I die or yeah. until you die, whichever happens first. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, that's, wow. And, and it's funny how like, it's like a, oh, huh, huh, huh. like that, that you potentially cheating on your wife is just like, a, oh, you know, Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We'll just keep that between we'll, we'll, us. We'll, we'll get you covered. Don't worry. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, to be fair, I think that is really common, right? Yes. So to, I, I don't necessarily fault him for like that assumption. He just shouldn't have said that to Finn. He, he could have right. thought that in his head, right. <laughs> without actually saying it. Yeah. Um, and because it is, it just comes with from a lack of education and exposure, like we said earlier. So. Mm-hmm. What about you? Has anybody ever said anything weird to you about that? I'm trying to think. I don't think so because, and we've talked about this in, in earlier episodes of our podcast, that one of the reasons we're doing this anonymously, like with pseudonyms is so that we can be fully open and honest. There's not a ton of people in our lives that, in my life, that know the details. I mean, my sister found out that... <laughs> that <laughs> her and her boyfriend have been to the same sex club. Yeah. Not at the same time. No. Th- oh my God. That would be an awkward, <laughs> that would be an awkward, awkward, like walk across the room. Right? We always worry about running into your ex. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, but I remember having that conversation where, um, one of my sisters saw me on a dating app and was like, aren't you with B? And I was yeah, like, yeah, she was really upset because yeah. she thought he was cheating on me. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, you, you don't like, it's fine. Don't you, how, you can't unknow the truth. So like, do you really want to know what's going on? And she was like, oh no, no, just, are you guys okay? Yeah, we're fine. Like, and yeah. that was it. Right. But you could yeah. just say like, maybe it's, it's consensual and then like, <laughs> and leave it at that. Like. Yeah. You know, don't go into any details. Yeah. yeah. 
And I think for us too, maybe one just quick thing to make sure that's important is like for, for us, part of the reason we haven't come out to a ton of people is because largely it is mostly our sex life. If we, if either one of us or both of us wound up in like a long-term relationship with a partner where we wouldn't, we wouldn't hide that person. You know, we just have not come to that place yet where there's somebody in our lives, either one of our lives that we want to introduce to other people. They're, they're largely friends and and our friends have met parents, other friends, they sort of, they just blend into because they're our friends. Well, they're your friends and and it's not like you don't, do you want to invite that question every time? Like, what kind of friends are these friends, right? Like, <laughs> right, right. Like, are, these, are, are these naked friends or yeah. just the brunch kind? Well, because like, because monogamous people don't have that issue where like you bring friends over for a barbecue and they go, "Are you fucking them?" Like, right. like it's does, not. Does, it's, is it any of your business? No, it's not. Yeah. No, <laughs> but it makes it makes double date night much more interesting. It does, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, I used to hate. I used to hate going out with other couples. Yeah. No, not a, so much. It's a little no, different now. Games night is m- way more fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, That's a really good point. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think probably, you know, I can't even remember who it was that was like, well, I mean, doesn't that show you, you know, that they just don't love you as much as they say they do? You know, if that's if that's the kind of relationship that you guys have, like just a suggestion that you know, the love is diluted or there's not as much of a level of commitment. And again, I think that's just, that is just part of misinformation and misconception um, about what non-monogamy is. And, you know, unfortunately, we still have to have a certain level of, you know, cover Mm -hmm. because it's not, it's, it's not, um, at the point where we can just be open about it, but we're doing the best that we can to be open about it, just like you guys are. And that kind of leads me into tell us about your podcast, which is literally called normalizing non-monogamy, which I think is, is so great. Like it's, it, it, it's a really important thing to do. And we're all out here in our own way, um, with the risk that we're comfortable with trying to do that. But I would like to hear about how that got started and how you decided you were going to sort of push that out into the world. Cause we know how scary that is to just sort of put yourself <laughs> out there like that. Right. Whether, whether it's anonymously or partially so, or, or, or not. So tell yeah. us a little bit about how that got started. I'm going to go back for a second and then you can take over oh, the podcast, yeah. but like the our relationship, so we've known each other since we were 13, and we were friends throughout our teenage years and started dating later in our teenage years. So we had a really foundation of trust in our a friendship. We had a solid friendship before we mm-hmm. started dating. So even though we were young when we opened up our relationship, we we knew each other really well, and we had um, – we just trusted each other. And a lot of people our age at that age in you know, you know, teens and twenties don't necessarily have that level of trust because you're new and dating and all those types of things. So we were able to open our relationship and explore mostly together throughout our the last over 10 years. And 
during that whole process, one of our favorite things of, is all, has always been meeting new people and just talking to them, like mm-hmm. hearing their stories. We've always looked to make friends. Um, we've wanted to make open-minded friends and living, we've lived in a few different new areas and we've always been trying to be like, well, let's try to make open-minded friends in these areas. <laughs> and so trying to meet people who are non-monogamous is a way to do that. And as we've gone through the years meeting people, we were talking to some friends a few years ago and we're like, oh, well, wouldn't it be cool if every week there was a different story? And I'll let you take over from here. Well, yeah, I think it was the idea that we wanted to meet other people, but we also, we knew there were so many stories to be told. You know, we've met, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, not that we've slept with hundreds and hundreds of people. Was well, that there would be anything wrong <laughs> with that? It would be if fine we, if you did. If we had, but no we, shame, we, no shame right. at all. But we, you know, we have met, you know, through the years, just tons of people. And we're like, and everybody has such a fascinating story. Mm. So we said, well, let's just, let's create a podcast where every week somebody else tells their story. And so we've been doing that for two and a half years, 150 some episodes into wow. it. Congrats. Congratulations. Uh, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. It's been super fun. And I, yeah. So it's, it's everything from poly to swinging everywhere in between a little bit of kink and BDSM sneaks in there yeah. and it's just a little bit of everything, whatever we've, yeah. I mean, we've had a lesbian who married a guy. We've had a gay guy who came out to his wife after 30 years and they opened wow. a relationship, but stayed together and had some same like, sex couples, everything, yeah. everything under the sun. And so, yeah, it's been a amazing project to be working on. Yeah. And if, if you're listening to this too, and Finn mentioned the years a little bit, you might be realizing, so we started the, normalizing non-monogamy right before leaving, quitting our jobs and leaving and going and traveling. So the first year of the podcast was all of us, we were traveling throughout the whole time. Um, So we apologize for any uh, audio audio mishaps mishaps that first year. (laughs) In those early episodes. Like chickens and (laughs) And dogs. Chickens, dogs, pigs. Um, But it's been an incredible journey of just, we, every single interview we do, we walk away learning something and the fact that other people can do that too it's just it's incredible and we're we're proud of what we've created but we're also humbled by the amount of people that have come and shared their story is there is there um do you find there's a theme in the types of people that have come on the podcast like is there a flavor of non-monogamy that seems to be more represented than others or is it really just across the whole spectrum of of non-monogamy yeah it's it's honestly a pretty pretty broad spectrum um i would say we have like so once in a while we have chunks of like similar stories it just happens to be the people that reach out to us like we'll have like a couple you know a handful of episodes in a row that are all about couples that are solo poly or like couples that are swinging together or something like that but what we try to do typically is we try to alternate like swinger focus poly focus swinger focus poly focus and and not that everybody divides into those camps evenly well that's what we've kind of started seeing is that they don't but yeah as we've gotten into it there's so many people that are like well let's you know we don't really have a word for it this is this is how i do non-monogamy and it's like okay cool yeah the terminology actually is super interesting because the terminology is you think and we've talked about this before like monogamy is easy in the sense of defining it, it's just mono, right? It's one partner. Mm-hmm. That's it. Non-monogamy is like all these other things. And and when I was in my journey of listening to different podcasts and reading books and stuff like that, you would hear terms like swinger, swingers or swinging, um, progressive swinging, which was kind of like a poly type 
non-monogamy. Like yeah, and 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 it just seemed like everybody just made their own definitions mm. on like this is how we do it, and we're gonna slap a label on what we think it's called, and then it gets it makes it very. I can imagine for the uninitiated how difficult it is to, and this is why your podcast is so great because it brings all these different kind of stories out there. But if you're just somebody like looking for information and you know, heaven forbid you Google it, like the amount of <laughs> the amount of garbage on top of good stuff you're going to find, like, h- how do you sift through it? And having having like one spot for that, I think can be be really useful. And that's why I, I agree with you. I think I think what you're doing is so important, because there's such a variety of stories. And even for us, we've been doing this for a while. And there was a couple, there was an episode that we, we were driving to the same place in separate cars and we had both listened to the episode. So when we got to our destination, we discussed it and even having experience in it, it's really something to listen to people's stories. And there's always a new facet mm-hmm. where, where I think, I think the guest was talking about, you know, new relationship energy and, and the partner trying to deal with what what it's like to watch their partner fall in love with someone else. And even though, you know, we've we've been doing things for a while and we have our own way of doing stuff, it was still such an interesting conversation to have. And I think your podcast makes those conversations yeah, opens up easier. It gives people yeah. an in instead of saying, hey, I was thinking about this thing. They can say, I was listening to this podcast or both listen to it together and go, what do you think about that? How would you feel yeah. if something like that happened? And and I, I, because they're real people, you know, I think, I think a lot of people think of non-monogamy and people who practice it as some sort of other. And that's why I love your story about how you guys are like the two most vanilla people ever from the <laughs> outside, look like that from the outside. Um I think you're adorable, I but um, but vanilla but, nonetheless. Yeah. Okay, maybe. All right, adorably okay. vanilla. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could probably use a neck tattoo or something, but whatever. Anyway, um, but yeah, right across, yeah, right across the head. Yeah, and Mike then, Tyson face tattoo. Yeah, then you then you would need to put your cap back on. That's what happened. <laughs> but I think you know, for people to be able to hear stories from across the spectrum of of walks of life and and orientations and 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 occupation i think that's that's a really important thing for people to be able to identify with the guests that come on and go huh maybe this isn't so scary mm-hmm. maybe this is something that i can consider or have a conversation about and that's i think that's really really big for people that are just thinking like you said yeah god forbid you google it oh my god the stuff like, that would come up oh and don't like, do it at work no <laughs> Agreed. No, and um, I mean we're both we're all four of us are fans of of Dan Savage, and I think he's been a great help to all of us. And and if you're looking, mm-hmm. I think you know your podcast is a great jumping off point. Um, Dan Savage is awesome. We've talked about different books. Sex at Dawn is a is a game has been a game changer for a lot of people. Um, Wednesday Martin's book Untrue. I don't know. Have you read that one? Yes. Well, most of it. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot. Of, I was like, "Wow, look at that!" I think that was your light bulb book. That the way was Sex at Dawn bulb. was my light bulb book. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I I read Sex at Dawn, and that, that I was like from a, a more, um, I think, evolutionary psychology point of view, absolutely. But sort of big, 
just understanding female yeah. desire in today's world. Yeah, I could see that. That, that was impact. a game changer. Yeah, yeah. That was a game well, for changer sure. For yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So one thing I did maybe want to like touch on a little bit was the the idea, and maybe one of the things about the name of our show that is misleading is the the normal or the normalizing piece of it, and that that there's what we've really tried to point out is that there is no such thing as like normal and that you know we yes we present as very vanilla and i know maybe people listening who aren't familiar with the term vanilla like that's a i would almost say a slang term it it's not quite derogatory in the it's close it's close right for people (laughs) who for people who aren't into any type of non-monogamy it's sort of the blanket term right so yeah we present yeah or or kink kink, right? right and we present as very like you could drop us into any suburban neighborhood and we would, you wouldn't think we were out of place if we had a white picket fence in the whole nine yards. Right. Yeah. Oh, but, but the, but the, but the hell you would raise would just be. <laughs> exactly. We'd be, we'd be kicked out pretty quickly, but no, <laughs> the, but the, but the gamut and the variety of people that come on our show, there are so, there are people of all walks of life and that, and that you meet some of these people and, some of them are friends with each other and it's the, or they're very close to each other. You have people who from wide ends of the spectrum who spend great amounts of time together, doing amazing things together. And just that, that there is no like formula for like, these people should be with these people and those people are with those people. And these people should be doing this thing. Like everybody does their own thing. And like, you just have to have a conversation about it. Like the labels are just like this very surface level piece of the Mm -hmm. puzzle. Yeah. I I think, you know, and and I would like to hear from you if you kind of found the same thing. Like I say, you've been doing it a lot longer than we have. But one of the things, Dante, that you've mentioned was sort of an unexpected perk of this was as adults, it's not super easy to make new friends. It sounds kind of silly, but that's a really hard thing to do. We agree with that statement. (laughs) Yeah. But we found that with non-monogamy, it provides these opportunities for you to make new friends as an adult. And whether you end up um, in a sexual relationship with these people or not, or if it's an ongoing sexual relationship or something that has happened a couple of times and now you're just friends, which has happened mm-hmm. with us, um, it it opens up all these opportunities for you to meet all these people that you would never normally meet. Have you guys found that too, that it's opened up those kinds of opportunities for you? Oh, for sure. For sure. And you meet them on a different level. Yeah. Yeah. You you have conversations. That you would not normally have. So we we went to dinner with a couple the other night. We just sat out, you know, we're still living in the COVID world. So you're sitting outside, you know, distance Mm -hmm. from these people. And they said, well, we we don't even know you that well. Um, But we, we went to dinner last night with my best friend from... It was high school or college, I like somewhere like that. So long, long friends. Mm-hmm. He said, I've had more fun talking with you two tonight than I had catching up with one of my best friends from long ago in life. And I think that it's just, you can talk about things and not that we just sit around and talk about orgies and glory holes all night long. Like that's, <laughs> no. that's not how it is, but we can just, we can talk about things and say things and ask questions. And there's nothing that's off the table. Right. And that's, that's, and we're very non-judgmental too. And we're like, if, if somebody wants to ask us a question, like, please ask a question. I'll tell you if I don't want to answer it, but yeah. that's totally fine. And having, being in those, um, 
being in those environments with those and meeting people on that level where you, there's any, there's any sort of, um, I guess any sort of like curtain that people put up in their lives is completely erased. And Mm. that has been huge. I mean, the people that we have met over the years, we get to be much closer friends with them way faster Mm -hmm. than we would have anybody Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And and sorry, sorry, one more thing, just like we, we've come out to a, a couple of our quote unquote vanilla friends and they like those friendships in the last couple of years since that has come out have become so much deeper than like these were people like I went to uh, kindergarten and I've been best friends with this person since kindergarten and just having told him this you know 10 years into us doing this like our friendship has gotten so much closer and deeper just in the last year and a half for sure since we told them yeah yeah it's amazing because I think that because you find that common ground at such a fundamental primal level and that if you can be honest about that then everything else is easy yeah right yeah yeah and it's right it's almost like it's almost like being war buddies Mm -hmm. where it's like you're bonded by this thing that so many people are afraid of and are like no i that's not for me even though it might be if they gave it half a chance or even thought about it or did some some research or looking into it. So when you can be open with people on that fundamental level, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, the ability to bond with that person, with those people and have honest, interesting conversations about topics and rather than just, I always joke about how, you know, rather than just talking about sports and meat, if you can, you know. <laughs> and the weather. <laughs> And the weather. And the weather. And, the weather. Oh my goodness. and COVID. Like, oh God, yeah. no. Like you, um, you just, you you burst through the fluff, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you also yeah. find out much quicker if these people are not your people. Yes. That's the other thing. Yes. You, you, when you cut through all the bullshit, it's, it's so much easier to, like, you can tell after a dinner, like, yeah, or probably not. Like we would be friends with these people or, you know, they're cool people, but I don't think it's going to be something that we're going to be close to them. And that's, yeah. that's no. totally okay. Yeah. And and even the ability to say that to people, you know, to say, look, this was great. It was lovely to meet you. I'm not really feeling it, but, you know, good luck in your search or whatever. And leave it at that instead of being shitty or ghosting people or whatever it is, your ability. And I think people appreciate that. They appreciate yeah. the honesty. We've been ghosted. It sucks, Do you remember? man. Do you remember that? Yeah. Day? Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's one of the that's one of the things that's interesting. Like when you date with a partner, it's like if you get dumped. At least you still go home with your partner, right? Like, so <laughs> yeah. you're you're still winning. But she yeah. was cute, though. Yeah, but ghosting is, yeah, ghosting sucks. Don't do it. It sucks. Yeah, don't do that. Just be honest. Just say, you know yeah. what? Nice to meet you. But but yeah, it's just and it's 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 nice to have somebody to commiserate with, right? Where you're like, yep. what? We're amazing. Like, we're what did we do? Like, what happened there? And I you think that's what? that's a super important though to when you do come through that. To not turn on each other and be like, well, it was probably you. You probably yeah, you said, said this. this. Yeah. You said that or you wore this. But like to to your point of like, we're amazing. You're amazing. So fuck them. You right. Know? It may have just been like, but because we've been in situations where like, well, these people are cool, but they're just not our people. Well, they could have felt that way about us. And right. that's okay. Yeah. We're, yeah. you know, we're not everyone's cup of and, tea. And to be honest, it may have been her or it may have been me, but there's no reason for us to turn 
the the guns inward and fire no. fire no, into no. the well, relationship. It, it's like when Monica and Chandler get back from their honeymoon <laughs> with a couple, and they and they get and they numbers. get wrong numbered. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. like what. Well, maybe it was you and all your questions, you know? Oh, or you and all your jokes. You're like, uh, you thought I was about joke. Joke, 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 joke. You know? Is that another joke? Is that another question? And it's like- Yeah, they just jumped on, they, they just, just turned oh, yeah, on each other. yeah, just turned right? on each other. It's just- Not the way to do it. No. So, but it's 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 really funny how there's actually been a couple of um, instances in Friends where they've tiptoed into that world and getting- wrong numbered or dumped by that couple is one. And I don't know if you remember, there's a very early episode where Chandler dates first season Chandler dates a poly woman. She's married and she has a boyfriend and then she has Chandler and then, and then Andrew who's new. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And, um, and, and actually Ross tries to interject and say, well, actually according to the research of so-and-so and everybody goes, right. They don't want to hear it. And we're all sitting there going, what, what, who? It's like 1992. Yeah. Like, right. 96, I think. 96, 95. Yeah. yeah. And the so 90s. the 90s, the mid nineties. And it was really interesting how they sort of tiptoed into that and then very quickly backed off of that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta, it's like, it's not us. It's them. It's them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so that kind of brings me to, um, it's really fun to have um, guests on that where you don't have to start from scratch with the non-monogamy thing, right? Where we all kind of have an understanding of what it is and what the language is and all that kind of stuff. And there were a couple of things that we wanted to discuss with you. One of them, there seems to be some upheaval about terms right now. <laughs> and yep. I, I just kind of wanted to get your take on um, the terminology. And so there's been some, and, and, and kind of move through, because we're all, we've all been having like a big love in about non-monogamy and how mm. great it is. But there have been some criticisms that have emerged and I wanted, I'm curious to hear your response or some of the criticisms that you've come across um, about non-monogamy. And so we've all heard the term ethical non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, I mean, what does that mean to you, ethical non-monogamy? What when when you use that term? Yeah, and and maybe that's a, it's a tough one to to define. And and I because we we to 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 lift the veil here a little. The, the comparison, right, is the ethical versus consensual, and the actually there's a three way verse. Yeah. So like ethical versus consensual versus the latest term to be tossed around is disclosed sure. non-monogamy. Yeah. And okay. so like for I guess I'll start with the ethical piece and we'll get into the other ones in a second. But um for me, I think ethical can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. And for me, that means that the people who are in the relationship are aware of what's going on and um, okay with everything that's going on. That it's it's all above board. There's no cheating. There's no lying. Yeah. Um, but that but, doesn't mean the same thing to everyone. Well, that's the thing. I think for me, the, the hard part with ethics are everybody has different ethics, right? right. So for mm-hmm. us, what we're talking about right now is very unethical to somebody. However, to us, it feels ethical. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so 
you know, maybe it, yeah, somebody you, who doesn't think non-monogamy is ethical at all, sure. then, then yeah, they're going to think they're, and it's like a shrimp. It's a, it's right. a bit of a, yeah. yeah. Your value, your values <laughs> and your value judgment is going to determine what your ethics are on right. it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And then, right. And then you switch over to consensual and you're like, well, that's a little easier to define, right. Consent of like, I have disclosed or told Emma that this is what I would like to do. And now if I'm looking for a new partner or we're looking for new partners together, we are inviting their consent. We're giving our consent. We're talking that we're telling them we're in a relationship, but here's how we do it. And we're so everyone in the, in the, that's involved has consent to be involved in that way and knows what's going on. And they all have, they all have the same, they all have the same information that they all have the right information. And, And for me, I see that ethical and consensual are like in this case, like synonyms, like they mean the same thing. It's just a clarifying, taking out the ambiguity of like, whose ethics like it seems pretty cut and dry to me sorry it seems pretty cut and dry to me that like consensual means everybody consents so why is there a third like why sorry to to say if you wanted to like when you talk about different ethics um and ethical to mean that everybody knows what's going on what if you're in a a situation where um someone conducting extramarital relationships in order to stay sane and stay married because children, because home, because life, because all those things, and they are doing what they need to do mm-hmm. to keep that marriage intact, even though that, that other partner doesn't know, does that make it unethical or is it, is it, is, it makes it, it non-consensual. It makes it non-consensual, but it, but it may be ethical. It may be a more ethical course mm-hmm. of action to conduct yourself in that way rather than to, implode everybody's universe. Yep. Yeah. Because, right. So, so I, I agree with what you're saying about how ethics are, are different for everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe I'll jump to my, my end result in my viewpoint on this is that I personally, like in terms of the different vocabulary that you use, I really don't care if I read a profile on a dating site or somebody tells me they're ethically non-monogamous I don't get like, oh, well, you're supposed to say consensual. <laughs> and if I read if I read consensual, I'm not like, oh, you should be saying ethical or you should be saying disclosed. I to me, it is it is a starting point of a conversation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. And that conversation then is, so what does this mean? What does this word mean to yes. you? How yeah. does it look for you? What other partners do you have? It's the what? same as using like swinging or polyamory yeah. or any of those terms. Like mm-hmm. it's just the start of that conversation. And because everybody's going to interpret it differently, right? Exactly. So you need to figure out what that interpretation is. Yeah. And you could say, and you could, you could argue each one of these terms is incorrect, right? You could say, well, the best one is disclosed non-monogamy. Well, I'm out at a bar, I'm married and I want to have sex with this woman. I call my wife and say, Hey, I'm going to fuck this woman. She's like, I'm not okay with that. Well, I disclosed it. <laughs> so right so better get on board because this is happening so i don't to me like you could you could go that route or you could say with the ethics you look at a really difficult situation say maybe you're married to somebody and they've been in a coma for five years and you are their caretaker you're their caregiver and but like if i was in a coma for five years i would want my wife or my partner to or, or and, maybe it's dementia or, or something dementia, like that. Any like number any of things, any right? Number of, yeah. Where you're disabled mm-hmm. and you're, you're like, is it unethical for you to fall in love with somebody else? Like, is that unethical? Is that unethical for you to 
have a relationship with somebody in that situation. I don't personally think it is. Somebody else might think it is, right? Mm-hmm. But so to me, it's just it, th- those words are a starting point of a conversation. And mm-hmm. I know that the argument is that people hide under them is a veil. They say, well, hey, I'm ethically non-monogamous. And they use that to do any number of deceptive things. But that's going to happen no matter what. Yeah. Like it's those words are a starting point. And that's really on the person who reads that and says, well, they said they're ethically non-monogamous. And I just took them at their word. Like, well, then that's on you to not like do some more research, do some more question asking, yeah. do some more digging. Don't blame yeah. these terms for it. Yeah. If you're going to take everything at face value, then you can't be surprised when something else comes to light. Like it's up to you to do that digging, right? To ask those questions, have that conversation. I think it's up. I think the onus is on you to have a conversation. But if someone is working that hard to deceive you, I don't know how much due diligence is necessary. Like at that point, you're kind of like when you do learn the truth and you learn that that person is not being honest about their situation, then yes, you have, you know, then you can make different choices at that point. But I didn't question, I didn't question. I didn't do any digging into whether or not you. No, were. you took you took me at face value. Yeah. But you believed that I was trustworthy. You right, were right, but this, but but this is the thing. Yes, <laughs> I usually am. <laughs> but I think that there's a, a limit to how much due diligence is required of you before you, you know by the t- before you say oh, I don't think this person is being honest about what they're doing. But I I, I agree with you. I think that that it is just a starting off point, um, yeah. and that you're. I, I think. Um, you were talking before about, um, people finding problems where there aren't any. Yeah. Well, and I know like my example of the disclosed, I know that's hyperbole, right? That that's not necessarily how. It's a funny how, story though. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I get that, but I think, I think where people, why people like to get upset about these words is they take them very personally. It's, I identify as yeah, ethically non-monogamous. Thing. I identify yeah. as consensually non-monogamous. And I really fucking hate it when I see some bag of shit out there using these terms and then going around and doing things that I think are wrong, mm-hmm. but they're calling themselves the thing that I believe mm-hmm. so strongly in. So I think that's where that comes from. And I see that point of view. And and it's totally valid. But you yeah. also, like, the to me, the solution isn't, well, we have to keep refining the term more and more and more and finding a new one that they can't steal. This one's invincible versus like if somebody says it, the question, the first thing you should say is, well, what does that mean to you? Tell me mm-hmm. what, tell me about what that means to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you start a conversation and you discuss it. And if you want to, at that point, if you want to be like, yeah, I prefer this term, like fine, prefer whatever term you want. <laughs> but like, let's just get on the same page about what this means to me, what Ooh, this means yeah, to you right. and what this means to everybody involved. Because honestly, there, you know, disclose on monogamy, there may be a don't ask, don't tell policy where that is what those people have agreed on. It's what works for them in disclosing would be a violation of their relationship agreement. Yep. So you can't, mm-hmm. you can't dictate that into somebody else's like, find out how it works. And if that makes you uncomfortable, if you're like, well, I'm not comfortable doing this, don't ask, don't tell, then that's fine. Then but don't you, do it. you know now what that means to <laughs> right. this person. Mm-hmm. And for them, ethical non-monogamy means don't ask, don't tell with my partner. If you don't like that, then just don't be a part of it. Yep. Like, yeah. It's very easy. Exactly. Yeah. This is this is why ethicists are the most fun people at the party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one invites them. No. no. But I but I also understand the I understand where it's like people like you guys and 
kind of what we're trying to do as well is we're trying to demystify it, trying to normalize this kind of stuff. And if there's douche canoes out there using the language on Tinder to be a cheating piece of shit and build a harem and nobody knows about anybody else, I understand where it's like, oh my God, we're trying to do all this work to try yep. and and get people to understand what this means. And there's people using it, using yep. that like using that language for evil. And it's hard. It's it's hard where you go, okay. Because then it, it's like you have to re-educate people all over again. Right. It's like, well, no, these people are not, you know, but but I think you're absolutely right. Have the conversation. Don't mm-hmm. just take it at face value and go, this is what I think it means. And th- this is the thing. We all know what monogamy means. It all looks the same. Mm-hmm. Non-monogamy looks like all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. So, and everybody has their own brand. And indeed in every different relationship has a mm-hmm. different, like mm-hmm. your previous non-monogamous relationship is very different from our non-monogamous yes, relationship. Very much so. And you know, God forbid you dump me or something. I'm, you know, my next non-monogamous relationship is going to look different. Um, so what? Why'd we break up? Pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, it was a great question and it's a great topic because in, it is. And yeah. to your point there, like it is, it's super frustrating when you see somebody out there hiding under this guise. And I totally get that. Like, it pisses people off. It pisses us off. Mm-hmm. But it, to me, I think the defense to that is if you if you meet somebody and they're like, I'm ethically non-monogamous and you're like, and you say, well, what does that mean to you? And they start to describe it and you're like, that doesn't work with me. And then you stop talking to them. Like that's another reinforcement for them that like what they said wasn't right. Like right. You, use your actions, use like or, you can educate per, people. Like I was going to say, perhaps instead of just stopping to talk to them, maybe have a conversation of that's not what that means to me. This is what it means to me. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and, and go into there. I mean, I know we don't, we're not all on dating apps to, uh, to educate, like necessarily to have those, all those <laughs> educational conversations. That makes but, us fun at parties. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But I also, I also it's think an opportunity. It's, it's, it's comical to think that, if you're if you're out there listening to this and you think by putting ethical non-monogamous or consensually non-monogamous in your dating profile that you're going to increase the number of people matching with you, you are sorely mistaken. Not if you're on Tinder or Bumble or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. that's no. Yeah. yeah. So that is maybe if you, I would say this is the one of those double standards. Maybe if you're a female, it might. Because people, no? no okay, no. well then, I just, because no. we've heard people- The girls are shaking their heads, no. No. <laughs> no. no, I have a friend of mine who I actually advised her to take it off okay. her profile because um, there were a lot of men that have a pro- had a problem with that. And it's like, you know what? This is something that you roll out in person. Sure. Because then you can explain and, yeah, you know, what it means but or, yeah, this, yeah. this friend of mine was having a horrible time because she was having to like, they were like, Oh, I'm not cool with that. And you're like, you don't even know what it means, bro. Yeah. So yeah. why don't you, but yeah, no, even as a woman and you think, you know, we could put, we eat shit for breakfast on our profiles and still get matches. <laughs> we, that would probably do better than putting that you are <laughs> poly, well, solo poly I, I on there. People are afraid. That's what it, it comes yeah. down to the fear. It comes yeah. down mm-hmm. to the fear of the unknown. And if people don't aren't educated or have no exposure of any types of different types of relationships, then it's it's scary. And it's like, well, that's not okay with me because it's I don't want to even confront that that's an even possibility. Mm-hmm. I just I also just I think it's hilarious 
this double standard, right? That your friend has this conversation, right? Where the guy matched with her mm-hmm. to then tell her he didn't approve of the thing that she was doing. Right? Like how <laughs> fucking arrogant are you <laughs> that you think that like this person gives a rat's ass what you think about their relationship style. And on the flip side, that would never happen to a guy in my, like, I don't think, I think the woman would just be like, swipe left. Like, yeah, I you would never, you would never get a woman matching you. And then, and then like trying know, to educate berating you, you yeah. about, Oh, this is, this is wrong. I immoral. Like they just wouldn't even bother. Like, yeah. But I will admit, uh, confession time. Oh, I will admit that I have swiped right on guys that say that they're cheating on their wives. And then we match and then I'll go, have you guys had a conversation at all about what? Like, I will actually. Are you trying to educate and counsel? Yeah. <laughs> See, I think it's possible. I think it, I suppose anything is possible. I would say you're an anomaly, I, but well, that it's, is amazing. It's not that is to amazing. be like, you're a shitty piece of shit. Blah. But but just like, you know, gosh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's, <laughs> you know, and they're like, are we going to fuck or not? Like, <laughs> they don't care. They don't want. <laughs> My, they don't want my help. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why they don't want my help. But yeah, no, I, I have done I that, that in the past. Yeah, <laughs> that's I hilarious. That. I think that's an, a good thing to be um, to uh, disclose, I guess, and to talk about, and to share. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just, you know, I because I'm not. I if you take the morality out of infidelity, I think there's room for a lot of compassion. For people, and I think a lot of people are struggling out there mm-hmm. with monogamy, and a lot of people are struggling in in broken relationships. And I, it depends on what the rest of their bio is like. But I think sometimes I just feel like I can feel your pain, and if there's if there's something that I can say to you and not make you feel judged, like so many women are like, "What a piece of shit! What a piece of shit! What a piece of shit!" Maybe you know, and maybe you are a piece of shit, and I'll be able to determine that really quickly from your responses to me, but. I think in some cases I just feel like I get a, a, a feeling from people where it's like, you know what? I'm just going to say a couple of things like, you know, yeah. maybe a conversation will be like, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. And well, I've never, go ahead. Was like um, your point of having compassion for those other people that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a really wonderful way to look at it because there are so many people struggling out there mm-hmm. and they just don't know anything different. And their solution is, I'm not happy in this marriage. My only solution is to cheat mm-hmm. or my only solution is to break up. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that the, there is another solution. We'll talk about it and see mm-hmm. where maybe you could come to a compromise. Yep. Right. Exactly. Cause she may, it, or the other person, the other person, the partner, other partner may be just as unhappy as you are. And you just don't know. Yeah, they're, they're thinking the same thing and you bring the conversation up. Right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And imagine look, seeing the, the look of relief on your partner's face when you, when you broach that conversation, broach that topic and you go, Oh my God, me too. Like, what do we do about this now? So that's, and that's by no means a guarantee that that's what will happen, but no, (laughs) but, but you know, it it could, but But you start to know where you stand. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And is that a better situation than cheating or leaving someone like without, without having those conversations or languishing in misery? Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, and, having that affect everybody around you. And if there's kids involved, having them exposed to that and whatever. Anyway, um, so I think this is a nice segue into, I just wanted to like one from everybody, see if we could kind of, um, there's been 
some criticisms of non-monogamy and not necessarily just like the basic ones of, oh, that's weird or, you know, um, people that are actually in non-monogamy and engaging in non-monogamy, um, are there criticisms within it from the people within it that you've come across? Or maybe you have some yourself that are like this, I've seen this and this isn't really right. And maybe speak to that a little bit. Um, I, I can start if you're okay yeah, go, with that. You know. Sure. Sure. Surprise. I have something ready. <laughs> <laughs> B's got a list. No, I, I don't. I have a list of one. It's fine. <laughs> so one thing that I found, and, and you and I have talked about this mm-hmm. quite a bit and, um, and maybe it's a semantic argument. Um, but I find the sort of the propagating idea of the hierarchy in non-monogamy where, at the bottom, you've got the the poorly planned birthday threesome. <laughs> we've we've um, heard some of those stories for sure. Actually, you know what? I I am st- I have thought a lot about that guest that you guys had, where like their first foray into non monogamy was him and her two roommates. Yes, <laughs> I was like, God. Damn, dear penthouse forum, here's right. what happened. I was like, wow, that is like, whew. anyway. Um, but like, yeah, at the very bottom of the of the of the pyramid, so to speak, is the poorly planned birthday threesome, and then moving through swinging, and you know, and then all the way at the top, once you've evolved properly, is like, what do they call it? Like. Like relationship um, kitchen, anarchy. Kitchen table, Paul. Relationship anarchy. Or relationship anarchy, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I've always had an issue with that sort of um, different factions or groups of non-monogamy, and they all kind of side-eye each other where, oh, you haven't gotten to that point yet, where, you know, after you've been, you know, when we when we sort of talk about how we don't play a part at this point, um, they kind of go, oh, like you'll get there. Like once you kind of get bored with each other, then you'll get to that point. And it's sort of a, I find there's sort of a dismissive attitude sometimes with people about how, you know, you haven't evolved quite to the poly place yet. Or, or like you said, what did you call it? Table, table, kitchen table, poly, kitchen table, poly, or, or the or relationship anarchy. And it's like, I think it's a false assumption that everybody is striving to get to this, what's seen as this pinnacle of non-monogamy. Or that you're doing it wrong. If you're or that you're there. doing it wrong. Yeah. If you, if you choose to only play together or you choose to only play with couples or you choose to only, you know, have threesomes or do things when you're away or like whatever, whatever, um, whatever your non-monogamy looks like, there's, there's sometimes, not always, but sometimes some judgment from different parts, um, different types of people where it's like, oh, well, you know, we do it this way. And I've always kind of objected to that where I look at it more as a spectrum where people can fall anywhere along that spectrum because that's what they like and that's what they find fulfilling or stimulating or, and, and you may not move from that. And that's okay. And if you're in a relationship with someone else, you may land on a different part of the spectrum. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think the the critical piece there is that you may be here today and you might move in either direction or yeah. any direction. 
It's not linear. Yeah. And, and <laughs> we they, all grow in, in throughout our lives in different ways. And yeah. you can go back and forth. And I think like at the end of the day, and this is, this goes all the way back to the terms that we were going off about earlier. Like if, if you and your partner or partners are happy and all the people in your orbit are happy, like why, what does it matter which, which route you take mm-hmm. to get there, right? If, mm-hmm. if what works for you is this hyper unique thing and it's very different from somebody else's thing and you're both happy, like you can both like coexist in happiness, even if everybody isn't doing the thing that you're doing. Like it's, I think a lot of people like to, people inherently compare themselves to others and they see somebody else being happy doing something that they're not doing. And it, I think it immediately casts out like, well, am I doing it wrong? If they're right. happy and I'm not doing this, I should be doing it their way or, or, well, I'm happy. They should be doing it my way. They would, my way is better. And I <laughs> totally agree with you, Beatrice. It's like, it's, it sucks that there is this somebody looking down on somebody else and you see it both ways you see sometimes the swingers like oh we would never be poly and the poly people like we need more meaningful relationships and it's just so silly like and i know we just broadly stroked both of those mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those communities but like those are common phrases you hear mm-hmm. yeah. and then, but if you really dig into this you see there's so many people who are like riding that fence and they go in and out and they go back and forth and there's people who are in poly relationships and they swing with their secondary partners mm-hmm. and like they do everything and you're like right. why why do we have to be one or the other and why do we have to be against each other even if we are one or the other like, yeah it's yeah. so foolish yeah sorry i got right you got you me did. on a rant I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was the point <laughs> um i'd jump in real quick with a somewhat of a criticism I've heard from a few people I've like come out to about everything about non-monogamy is and just talking to it in in general with people sometimes they'll come back and say well that's great and everything something I could never do I'm way too jealous that's yeah same that was my thing yeah so sorry so we can both talk about it we can cool no that's fine (laughs) um but like people just automatically without even thinking about it like I couldn't handle that it's just like way way too much I'm way too jealous and it's like well just because we're non-monogamous doesn't mean that we also get jealous like don't also get jealous Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. that is jealousy is a human emotion we most people in life experience it at some level in some form and just because we're non-monogamous doesn't mean that we don't have to um, sometimes confront that emotion and work through it and people don't I think some people that jump to that excuse of like, oh, I'm just too jealous, then, okay, that's fine. That That's what you feel right now. But maybe consider thinking about would you could you ever work through some of that jealousy? And could you ever think about things in different ways to confront some of those feelings? And you may not, and that's okay, but go ahead, Dante. When, when, I've, when I've talked to people and had that kind of – raised as an issue like I could never do that the thing that is hardest to explain to them is the idea of compersion and and what and what that is and I I know from personal experience like I knew on an academic level what compersion was supposed to be I was like that sounds cool it'd be amazing to experience that one day and then 
the first time that I did, I was like, oh, now I totally understand what this is all about. Like I get that. And that's super cool. And that's, but for, but it's, I can understand why for some people it's so hard to get their head around the idea. Like, wait a minute, hold on a second. I'm going to be cool and wait, not even just cool. I'm going to be excited about my partner getting pleasure from somebody else or feeling pleasure from somebody else. No, wait, I, I couldn't do that. I'm a jealous person. Like I, I don't, I can't understand how that would be okay. And until you do, hopefully you get a chance to experience it. You don't really fully understand. I don't know. I didn't fully understand the inner workings of what compersion actually was until, until I was there, you know? Right. I, I think the reason people say that is because they, at that point, they are incapable of separating the betrayal mm-hmm. from the sexual act or, or anything else. Like yeah. all they know, all they know of when they think of their partner having sex with someone else is the betrayal and the lie and the, and everything that we've been, that entire bill of goods that we've been sold on the traditional narrative about how if you cheat on your partner or if you have sex with someone else, that doesn't mean, that means you don't love your partner anymore. Otherwise, how could you do that? There's a song out right now called, I know that I'm over you because I don't feel guilty kissing other people. (laughs) I have not heard that song. (laughs) It's probably because I'm not singing it and I'm not going to do that because I, I respect you too much, but so maybe, maybe we have heard that one, but you might've heard it. I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, but when I heard that lyric, I was like, listen to how stupid that is. That is yeah. the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Because I kiss other people and I don't feel guilty. And it has nothing to do with how much I love Dante. It's because I like kissing yeah. people I'm attracted to. <laughs> and and so I, I think people's, you know, that when their brain kind of blacks out and shuts down, it's because they can't separate those things, all those negative emotions from you know, the, they can't separate that from watching their partner get pleasure from, what are you doing? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> playing Did music you just play stuff. out loud? <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen, I've, I've heard it described. If, you, if somebody had to describe compersion, it's like, you know, driving a Mercedes is awesome, but you never get to see it go by. And so non-monogamy compersion is like, you get to drive the Mercedes and you get to watch it go by. And the pleasure that you get from that is like, oh, you can't really explain it until you've experienced it. And it's, compersion is such an intense emotion. Like there's a reason they call it the opposite of jealousy is because the intensity of the joy is exactly a mirror image of the intensity of jealousy. All of those, all of those negative emotions, all tied up at once—fear and anger—and right, all of those things. Compersion is is the opposite of all of those, and that's why it's so difficult to describe. Because everybody has felt jealousy. So when you say "I feel jealous," everybody understands what you mean. They know what it is. Yeah. When you say "I feel compersion," they go, "What the fuck is that?" Like, uh, I don't know. Um, so, and and that that must be so frustrating, especially where it's like. I think as a man too, there's that sort of underlying, well, you're just a cuck. <laughs> like oh. if you don't get jealous, then you're just a cuck. Right. 
which is really big right now. Cuckolding yeah. is having a moment right now, yeah. I think. Thanks, Jerry Falwell Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's for sure. Did I think. You, did you have any criticisms? Yeah, my, my, and I won't say it's my biggest beef, but one of my things that is really frustrating is the double standard within specifically swinging, but, but not monogamy as a whole of the women sort of being expected to be bisexual Mm. and, and the men um, being very much expected not to be. Yes. Um, And so there, that, that comes up very often and it's, it's just, it's really unfortunate because like, again, it's not even like that people are open to it a lot of times. It's very like, and you see it play out in very somewhat subtle, I guess, ways where people put on their profile, like she's by, he's 100% straight. And it's like, it has to be in caps lock. Calm down. With underlined. <laughs> yeah. They make it red. And it's like. Are you we, that we, insecure in your masculinity yeah, like that it, you man, have right? to say that you're 100% straight? Like Nobody is 100% straight, no. by the way. But okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? You have, yeah, some people are 150% straight. <laughs> yeah. so, and it's, you're and straight. I get it. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, again, if you're straight, you're straight. We don't – like, it doesn't bother us. It's this idea that, like, the women are expected because there's many times where it's yeah. like the way we play is, like, we're going to start with the girls are going to make out for a while and then the guys might join in, but I'm 100% straight. And it's just like this this narrative. There's that, no room for any fluidity in anything. Yeah. Like yeah. it doesn't, okay. Even if, if, if there are some of the people there are straight and don't want to play with, or just don't want to play with the other person. Okay. Then communicate that. That's yeah, okay. That's it. it all goes back <laughs> to that consent piece where, and you, in this idea that like, well, we wouldn't play with another couple because he identifies as bisexual. And it's like, well, do you think he's just going to start putting his penis in your mouth because he's bisexual? Like you mean not... a, no, we wouldn't play with another couple if, <laughs> yeah. if the male was bisexual? Exactly yes. right. Because and it's like this person, if they're first of all, if they're here, like you, you can have these conversations and say, "Hey, yeah, uh, we're into this, 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 and this," and and they're like, "Well, we're into this, this, and this," and and chances are he's going to be like, "I'm bisexual, but I don't need, you know, I'm I completely respect boundaries." Like you have to. It's ass- just the same as with anybody. Anything like you talk, <laughs> talk about what you're into, talk about what you're not into, and you assume that these people are going to respect your boundaries. They're not just going to start doing things like the this idea that like you can't keep your hands off we, we have some friends who are bisexual and they hilarious that he's like you you're really flattering yourself that you think i'm that attracted to you that i'm not going to be able to like keep my hands <laughs> just like, oh my god I, penis i'm going to be all over it like, right and he's like yeah. he's like you're, you're you're really giving yourself a little too much credit there and it's and it's true like you like as a straight person you don't jump on every single woman that walks by or every single person of the opposite sex that walks by and yeah. so like it's you have preferences different. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. no different. And so, I don't know. I just get sick of that. Like the women have to be bi and the men have to not be bi yeah. or, mm-hmm. or have to be straight. And yeah. So, well, because again, it, it does come down to consent. And, and that's another thing. Just, just because I'm bi doesn't necessarily mean that I'm attracted to that woman. Exactly. And like yeah. if, if we've had a conversation and it's like, well, I'm attracted to the guy. And he says, well, I'm attracted to her. I don't know. I'm just not feeling her. Okay. We can still play, but I'm not going to, you know, like. This is how it's going to look we, like. We yeah. talk We talk very much about not taking one for the team. Mm-hmm. You never do that. We've made that mistake. It's not fun. It's not a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
And, and, but I, I think that's such a great point. And, and when you brought that up, I was like, oh my God, yes, that's so true that the women are expected to be bisexual or at least heteroflexible. Bicurious. Yeah. Curious. Bicurious. Barsexual. Barsexual. Yeah. Bisituational. Bi- <laughs> yeah. Noodles. Noodles. Yeah. Have you heard that one? Um, I actually no. heard that from, from a lesbian friend of mine. Um, noodles are women that are straight until they're wet. Interesting. Whoa. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. I, I, guess, guess. I, I get it. I, uh, I can't decide if that's creepy or super clever. I don't <laughs> Predatorial. I don't, it, I don't know. It can be both. It can be both. You know, I had a manager at the restaurant that I worked at years and years ago who he was gay and he used to talk about, it was like, it was like noodles, but for men. And it, he would talk about it in terms of how many beers it would take. So he would be, he'd look at somebody at the bar and go, Hmm. Probably a tw- probably a twelve pack, and I'd be like, "All right," and he'd go, "Oh, two. That's it. That's all it would take." <laughs> and he used to he used to talk about that. And I and when when she talked about noodles, that's kind of what that I what it, I eh? thought about the same kind of yeah. thing. Like, what kind of situation does it take? How much? Like, which again is a little bit predatory, and you know, doesn't really. I mean, I worked at the restaurant a long time ago. It doesn't really hold up too well, but but I think that's a great point that nobody has to fuck anybody. Yeah. No. Right. No, yeah, it's I, all a conversation. And it's like everything that we've talked about today, like from your, your issues, Beatrice, with the, or the earlier on, you know, the, the conversation about the, the terminology and the, you know, straight versus bi and uh, everything that we talked about, it's all these conversations of, you know, the hierarchy, right? Like what the things that we say, the terms we slap on something, are like the starting point and you're going to screw it up. You're going to say something wrong. But like, if you can ask somebody like, well, what does that mean to you? Cause I, I assume you're a decent, really good human. And you said something that I'm confused about. Explain it to me. Tell me what that means to you. Tell me what, you know, you said you're straight. What does that mean to you? You said you're bi. What does that mean to you? You said you're poly. What does that mean? There's so many things that if we just ask and not assume that like the narrative you're running in your head is the, the correct one. Communication is always a good idea, right? And clarifying stuff. I don't think anybody who does this for any length of time thinks that asking more questions is a bad thing, right? Like, even if just to understand because the terminologies are so disparate, like just figuring out what does this mean? And can we get on the same page? And then also, does that mean that we're going to get naked later or not? (laughs) That's usually your next question. Well, okay. (laughs) But I mean, let's be honest. Why are we here, right? Like, you know, we're on these apps for a reason or Mm -hmm. we're in this sex club for a reason. We, you know, eventually we want to get there. We haven't been to sex club in a long time. Yeah, they opened up our our local, the the local sex, sex club that we have frequented in the past and they opened it up recently. And then everything for got, one event. for one event, and then it all got shut down again. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah. it, it was it was a really interesting email that they sent out about how like it was only twenty five couples allowed. Um, there would be no dancing, no DJ. Um, what else? You had to bring like your own towels. Yeah, you had to. There were you had to wear a mask on the way in and the way out. And I'm like, does that mean you take it off in between? Like, I don't know. It's just when anybody's <laughs> looking, you have to wear a mask. And it was just like. Wow, that sounds super fun. Right, yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> you get oh, you can only have oh, you can only have sex with the people you brought. Oh yeah, yeah. You had to like bring your own, bring your bring own bubble. Be, yeah, like yeah, B O I O B. Bring your own bubble partner. <laughs> but, but you know, one of the things you said though was it, it was it 
it highlights the communication piece, which is, well, we're at the sex club for a reason, but like everybody goes to that sex club for That's a right. different Everybody's reason is different. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you walk into a sex club and you assume this person is there because they want to get sex, they want, they want to get sex. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> they want to, they want to have sex with everybody. Like you're going to have a really bad time if you just start aggressively going after people. Like there's no, for sure. communication yeah. of like, yeah. why mm-hmm. are you here? Why did you come? Well, this is our first time ever going to anything like this and we're interested, but we're just going to talk to people tonight. Are we, we don't even want to talk mm-hmm. to people. We're too nervous. And you see those people, they're sitting in the just corner. Just want to watch. Yep. Yeah. So like that conversation, it should be everywhere. Why are you here? What are you thinking? What are you mm-hmm. interested in? Well, and I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe, fingers crossed, <laughs> one one positive thing that has that will come out uh maybe come out of this year of and of this whole pandemic situation of covid is that i hope that it's teaching people ways to communicate a little bit differently because mm-hmm. you ha- like we people in non-monogamous dynamics we have to have these conversations it's all about consent and and why are you at the sex club what are you doing like but with covid it is and bubbles and everything like that. It's a whole nother level of conversation that a lot of people are now introduced to. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe there'll be some more. We'll see. I don't know, but yeah. if nothing else, maybe everybody will get an STI test before they go back out and start dating again. <laughs> we can nip this chlamydia thing in the bud or something. We already have a testing backlog. Don't initiate another one. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to say before we wrap it up? No, um, we'll do our usual outro, but um, but we need to ask them. Yeah, is is there? I mean, we have thoroughly enjoyed having you guys on here today. I really enjoy your your perspective and your insight on all of this, and uh, such intelligent, thoughtful conversation on this. It's really welcome, and I think it again it'll help a lot of people. Where can people find you? Well, first off, thank you so much for having us. We had a great time talking as well. And uh, sorry for anybody who made it this far that this has been a long, longer episode, but I'm, I hope you got a lot out of it. Um, we, it's riveting. They will make yeah. it all the way to the end. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, you can find us at normalizingnonmonogamy.com um, or you can find us on Instagram at NNM podcast. Or we're also on Twitter under the same handle, but we, in all fairness, we do use Instagram more. Or if you just search for normalizing non-monogamy, we're, you'll find us. We're pretty much one of the first ones, if not the first one that shows up. And we put out a new episode every Wednesday. We, yeah, it's super fun and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. We'll put a link to your, to your Instagram and and your Twitter and your podcast as well. All in our notes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you so much. And thank thank you for having us and for for being great conversation facilitators. So oh, thanks guys. We have I'm a great sure time. it won't be I'm sure it won't be the last little round table that we have. <laughs> I have a feeling it's not going to be. Yep. <laughs> yep. All we need is for them to open the border. That's it. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. So yeah. Yeah, good for it. All right. Thanks so much for being on here. We'll thanks talk guys. Soon. We'll speak Bye. soon. Bye. Have a great day. You too. Bye.